between now and Easter of just a focus on the cross. I really want to focus on his cross. For you see, for us as Christians, the cross is the main thing, as I talked about last week. I tried to focus our attention on how the cross is the central theme for all that we are and all that we do as Christians. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the cross, there is no power for daily living. Without the cross, the Christian faith that you and I cling to is hollow and empty. We are Christians. We have this beautiful, loving relationship with Jesus, all because of what he did, all because of what he suffered, and what he willingly sacrificed at Calvary. But while the cross of Jesus is truly our central idea, our primary source of identification, we also can rejoice in that this instrument of execution in his cross, there is greatness, countless blessings for you and me. My subject this morning is the greatness of the cross. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 3. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he, has chose, for he chose him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to, with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance un until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to his holy people and his, incom and his incomparable great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, 
and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Hallelujah. In Jesus, in his cross, there is power, there is greatness, and there is authority. Because of the cross in Jesus, we have the power to defeat the power of every enemy that comes against us. Anything that the devil tries to bring your way has to bow down to what Jesus puts in your life and in mine. Now, I want to be clear. It's always my intention to be clear. I am not one who will ever from this pulpit encourage or preach a prosperity gospel. And I pretty much won't let anybody into this pulpit who will. I don't believe in name it and claim it theology. Although there are aspects of that teaching that are rooted in scripture, my main issue with it is it's unbalanced. Yes, God has promised us blessings. God has promised us glory. God has promised to provide for us. But how many know God has given us strength that we're going to need? He has let us know from the Gospels that in this life you will have tribulations. Didn't expect any, any, men, um, any amens to that. We often gather together and encourage one another with the promises in the Bible. God has promised us so many things. Well, you know what? He promised you in this life we will have tribulations. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm not going to embrace a prosperity gospel as it's taught today. But I do believe the Bible is clear that as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, there are certain rights and privileges that all of us have as believers. And we have an inheritance in him that is blessings beyond measure. And we should, as his people, walk in the blessings he has provided for us. Because in the cross, we get the opportunity to see that our God can work beyond what is natural, beyond what is routine, beyond what this world would call normal. Crucifixion was a horrible, painful way to be executed. Yet it was fairly common, very commonplace, and was for decades after the death of our Lord. When it was used, you knew pretty much how things were going to end. The purpose of crucifixion was not just to execute someone with capital punishment who the authorities thought believed it or, or thought deserved it, but it was designed to be painful. It was supposed to last for days, but God stepped in. How many know God can step into your life? God stepped in, and in what was expected of that process of execution, he brought the unexpected. Jesus was not on the cross for days. He was on the cross for a few hours. He stepped in and brought the unexpected out of the expected. And in that, I see that he can do the same thing for you and I today. We find ourselves in so many different realities today. Things are not the way they were just even a, a, a few short years ago. We all have different protocols now because of coming on this side of a pandemic. We all have different ways of approaching things. There are new policies in place in most of our places of employment that relate to COVID-19. 
there is a new reality and things have become a new normal, people say. But our God specializes in bringing the abnormal into what this world says is normal. Our God is able to step into any situation and bring power and authority that is beyond what our world will embrace. Our God is never limited to what our culture says is real. Our God is never bound or in any way diminished by what our society calls normal. We can walk in him with transcending power. So many Christians talk about the power of God. So many Christians sing about the power of God. So many Christians pray for the power of God. And yet so many Christians continue, as this world does, to lean on our own thinking, rely on our own flesh, in our own ways, instead of leaning on his miracle-working power. I was at a gathering last night of friends from the Long Island Tristius community, a retreat community, a fourth-day community here on Long Island, and was sharing with them what I've already shared with many of you regarding my um, recent health concerns, and was sharing with them, many of them had the same perspective, has this been a wake-up call for you? And I had to be honestly say to them what I've said to many. Yes, secondarily. Yes, it's given me that type of mindset that people talk about when they talk about a wake-up call. But it's not the primary impact it's had on my life and mind. The primary thing that it's done for me is to realize just how good God has been to me. Just how well he has taken care of me. Just how much he has provided for me. Even when I was doing the absolute opposite of what I needed to do, God stepped in and brought a new reality and kept me well, even when I was trying to kill myself. No, unknowingly, no. Let's, let's not misunderstand what I just said. His power is because of the cross. His miracle-working power. I saw my my uh, doctor this past Thursday, and he was amazed. He said, let me see your logbook as far as your glucose numbers, and he expected it would take months for them to come down because that's the normal practice, and that to him would have been good and encouraging progress, that from where they were, which is over 500, that it would take months before they would get back to the normal range of between 90 and 120. So he was expecting them to be of a certain way since it was only a couple of weeks ago. So when I opened my logbook and it showed that for the past week, every single reading was under 120, he was like, how did that happen? Which gave me a chance to preach to him. <laughs> he says, that's wonderful. And then he made a, what I think he meant as a compliment, when he said, you're doing 10 times better than I thought you would. Thank you? You really thought I was going to tank this? God's miracle-working power is available in your life and in mine because of the cross. There is greatness in the cross. Paul gives us in those verses we read in, first, in, in the book of Ephesians, his letter to the churches in Ephesus, some insight as he opens his letter that he talks about many things to them. The first thing he says, he talks about the cross displays God's surpassing greatness. God's demonstrated his power in the cross, a power that lets us know God has the final word. 
You see, the Romans thought they had the final word. They thought they were going to be the end of this new movement and that they would have the final say on what was happening. The Jewish leaders thought they would have the final word by working in concert with Rome to be able to silence this uprising. Those who thought, those who brought him before Pilate thought that this would be the final word. The guards standing at the crucifixion thought this would be the final word. The guards who sealed the tomb figured this is the final word. But how many know only God has the final word? Our God will have the final word in your situation, in your life, in anything. My doctor was assured that I should have been in the hospital, but doctors don't have the final word. God who created me, Jesus Christ, has the final word. In your health situation, Jesus has the final word. In your finances, aren't you glad? Jesus has the final word. In your marriage, Jesus has the final word. In the lives of your children, no matter what direction they're going in and no matter how many mistakes they're making, we can have confidence and pray to the Lord because Jesus has the final word. When it came to the coronavirus, Jesus had the final word. When it comes to gun violence in our land, which is, seems rampant, and there's always, it seems every week something new happening, we can rest in that Jesus will have the final word. And when it comes to the division in our country, and sadly a division that has found its way into the people of God and into the church, I can take solace in that Jesus will have the final word. This truth, this power, this revelation began this ability to be able to say that Jesus has the final word, we find that in the cross. Because there, God had the final word. God raised Jesus from the dead, and that takes power. No matter how many times people come back from the dead in science fiction movies, let me make this clear to you, that's not normal. Jesus was raised from the dead because God had the final word. And Paul says in verse 19, the incomparable great power for us who believe. Do you believe in the power of God today? Has God demonstrated his power in your life over and over again? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me today. The same power that brought him out of that tomb when no one expected him to come out, although I have to qualify that. No one expected him to come out then why was it guarded? And some are going to say, well, they expected people to roll the stone away. It was, by all historical accounts, we're not talking about a pebble. It was a huge stone. But it took an angel and God's power, and the stone was rolled away while people slept. This was a huge stone. Some of us wake up if we hear leaves rustling outside. Yet, they were asleep, the guards, and the stone was rolled away, and the tomb became an empty place. That's the power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can work in your finances. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can work in your body. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can work in that neighbor across the street that you don't like. I know none of you have that situation. Because you love everybody. But I want to encourage you today that our God has enough power to turn the absolute worst scenario that you and I could ever face into complete and total victory. Aren't you glad for that? 
The cross displays God's surpassing greatness. The cross also demonstrates Christ's authority. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and he later ascended into heaven. Those are right out of the Nicene Creed and the creed most of us as Christians embrace. But he didn't just ascend into heaven. It says when he got there, he was seated on a throne. That process, that image, demonstrates that he has complete authority. Authority over all rule, authority over all other authorities, authority over all powers, authority over all dominions. There is no name more powerful on this planet than the name of Jesus Christ. It's not the president of the United States. It's not the premier of any other country. It's not definitely not the president of Russia. It's not the president of or any world leader. The name that is above all names, the authority above all authorities, is Jesus Christ. That was true then, and it's true now. There was no Caesar who ever had more authority than Jesus. There is authority in the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse number Starting in verse number 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all of your sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. There isn't any nasty comment that anyone can say about you or, try, or any rumor anyone can spread about you that is more important than what Jesus says about you. And when Jesus looked at you, he says that as far as sin or debt, the slate is wiped clean. Our sins are forgiven because of the cross. I need to say that again. Our sins are forgiven because of the cross. So we can, with that power let go of the past and yet so few Christians can we walk with so much pain regarding the the past so much regret now I'm not saying we should ignore the past because we should learn from it but as far as it being an identifying marker for you no your sins have been forgiven they've been wiped clean heard a wonderful illustration this past Thursday night where the Bible, all of us know that place in the Bible where it says that our sins, that he, that he remembers our sins no more. He throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. They are as far from you and from him as the east is from the west. And think about this for a minute. It's a great illustration. At least it was for me. He could have said as far as the north is from the south. But if you were to travel to the North Pole, The minute you get there, and then you start continuing, you're now traveling south. So you would change direction. But if you start anywhere on this planet and keep going east, you keep going east. Even if you come around again, you're still going east. You're never going to find the place where east and west come together. That's how far your sins are thrown away from God and thrown away from his memory. He remembers them no more. Our sins are forgiven. And not only are our sins forgiven, but our debt is canceled. 
Anyone here ever have a mortgage? <laughs> so we know what debt means. And I envy those people and hopefully in a few years can share that experience of when the mortgage is paid off. And I was looking at my mortgage statement the other day and thinking, one day that's going to read zero. And then I won't have a mortgage anymore. I'll still have property taxes, but I won't have a mortgage anymore. But when it comes to the sins and the consequences and the debt it created, Jesus dying on the cross canceled the debt. He paid it in full. That was because of the cross. Every power, every authority that rises up against you, every comment, every criticism, anything anyone tries to do to come against you is completely disarmed because of the cross. And this authority is available to you and me. It's available to all who believe. We can, and I, I include myself in this as well, we can walk around so weighed down with our own past mistakes. We can walk around overwhelmed with the way in which we're not measuring up each and every day. But Jesus wants to just wipe that slate clean. He wants to let you know your sins are forgiven, that he never expected perfection out of any of us even though so many of us expect something out of ourselves, that if God doesn't expect it, I'm going to say this, and this is kind of how I believe it, if God doesn't expect perfection out of you, then to expect it out of yourself is ungodly. Hmm. I'll let you chew on that for a moment. God doesn't expect perfection out of you. He expects devotion out of you. He expects allegiance out of you. But what about when I mess up? Does anybody here think any of our mistakes makes God go, oh, my goodness. I never expected that out of them. He knows who we are, and he died for us anyway. In fact, because he knows who we are, that's why he went to the cross. We have a power that is against and above and disarms every authority. All this is available to you and me. That's why we can walk in freedom, in total freedom. You know, because of the recent health things that I've been going through, my diet has changed. We're eating very differently. And it's had benefits which are visible and not just in weight loss, but in just how I feel. And don't you know when you see those benefits and you feel those benefits and you're enjoying the benefits, the devil comes in and has to try to ruin it. He comes in and says, well, if you had been doing this all along, if you had been doing this longer, you wouldn't have been. You know what? I can't change my past. And the greater truth is that God doesn't care about it. He's already died for it. He's already nailed my poor choices to the cross. And now I can rise in freedom and just enjoy that steak and the bacon and do all that stuff that I really enjoy anyway. Because of the cross, because of his sacrifice, which is my final point today, the cross gives us a reason to give him praise. We praise God for his power. We praise God for his authority. We praise God for that at times that we go through, we're not alone. No matter how we feel, 
The devil wants you to think you're alone. The enemy wants you to think that nobody cares. The enemy wants you to think that that good feeling we have when we get together with God's people, it's compartmentalized. It's only partial. But even when I'm not with the people of God in any setting, Jesus is always there. Jesus is always there. We praise God that whenever the enemy comes against us, and notice I said when, because it's when. Well, pastor, when's he going to come against, uh, against me? Initially, I was going to say, when you're awake, but he comes against us even when we're not. But whenever the enemy comes against you, we know the truth. That is 1 John 4, verse 4. You dear, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do you believe that today? That as we would say it in the old King James, blessed is he and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do we really understand the power and the truth and the freedom knowing that no matter what the enemy brings my way and no matter who the enemy brings my way, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than any power the enemy can bring my way. I can have joy in all situations. I can live without fear no matter what each day brings. I can be loving and giving to others even in the midst of my own need and my own issues because I am not the source of my joy. Good health is not the source of my joy. Healthy finances are not the source of my joy. I promote all of those things. Jesus is the source of my joy. Him dying on the cross for me is the source of my joy. Him canceling my sin and canceling my debt is the source of my joy. Something far greater than anything that's within me other than his spirit is the source of my joy. Now having confidence doesn't mean and it doesn't excuse caution and wisdom, which Paul talked about. He talked about that God would give us wisdom. And so now that I have more knowledge, I can take that knowledge and turn it into wisdom. But we can truly live daily without dread, without panic, or without fear. Someone asked me last night as I was sharing the, the journey that I had been on, when you began to get the information from the blood work and all the numbers and then was speaking to the doctor and other health professionals and they really told you the edge of the cliff you had come to, did it frighten you? And I have to be honest, no. It didn't frighten me. It made me grateful. It made me thankful. Yes, it, there was an edge to the cliff that I was on. And I was kind of pushing myself off of that cliff with the way I was trying to treat it. But it gave me no fear. To look back, it gave me appreciation. God, you were there. God, you were there every step. You were watching over me with every Slurpee I drank. Every time I bought a smoothie, you were saying, I need to take care of this boy because he's not taking care of himself. I can walk each day knowing that although my knowledge is partial, and it always will be, I don't have to fear because the cross brings power. The cross brings authority. Church, the cross brings greatness. The cross also means I can enter his presence 
at any time. That veil was torn away. There was no longer a separation between me, sinful, and the holy of holy places. God says, come on in. We can reason together. Stand with me.